Hannah Brewer are in the house. Would you just give a big Seattle Revival Center warm welcome to, as Pastor Troy and Leanne, Pastor Troy. I don't know if you're both coming. Come on, come on up, Leanne. All right, come on, make some noise. Thank you. Well, since he's talking about both of us, I was like, well, come on, Leanna, come up here for a minute. And she's like, don't make me get up there. And I'm like, come on, man, don't be scared. And she's up here. And guys, we want to just tell you, we love this church. And uh, we do love Pastor Darren. We do love his, his family. Uh, he, is a, he is a close friend to us. And uh, that's important to me because I know Darren doesn't have any friends. It's like a ministry, you know, I've, it's a ministry within my life. I was like, look, this, this guy's got to have a, at least one friend in his life. So, but no, he's just so dadgum funny. And I want to tell you, I man, we preach all over the world and most Christians are just a bunch of sticks in the mud, man. Like, man, you, are you afraid that your face is going to crack if you smile, you know, get, get happy. And he carries a spirit of joy with him and his bride and his kids and, and it's just, it's truly amazing. You want, so amazing. Good morning, guys. It's good to be here. Thank you for having us. And uh, we are enjoying our time. And we do love your pastors and their family. And last night, I got to be an honorary member of the Mercy, the Mercy Tribe. And so, yes, I'm sporting my hoodie today. And I know it's a little warm for you guys, but it actually feels really good to us because it is so hot in Texas. It's crazy. So this is good weather for us. So, but it's an honor to be here. Um, we, we love the Northwest. It's beautiful. And uh, it's neat to see what God is doing all around the world. And as we get to travel throughout the states, just to be able to join the body of Christ together and see our brothers and sisters that we don't get to see very often. So it's good to be here. Thank you. All right. Love you so much. Thank you, ma'am. Um, Leanna and I both like to just express our gratitude in that you're sponsoring our legacy school in Uganda. And for everybody that came out last night and was a, and was a part of the star party, listen, uh, Pastor Darren actually nailed it and said, look, don't go home and tell everybody I learned what my sign was here or something like that, right? It's a lot like going to go see a comedian and then trying to tell the jokes afterwards. Like, it's just not funny. It's just not. And, and here we're like, Look, we're just, we want to show you how the heavens declare the glory of God and that the plan of redemption is in the heavens. And we just barely scratched the surface last night, but it was a joy and a privilege to come here and do that. And everybody that was a part of that is part of our rescues that are going on all over the planet Earth. And I, I want to tell you something, since we've already done the offering and since you've already, uh, you already participated in that, I want to tell you all something that you guys are such a huge part of and that this church is such a huge part of. Um, we started rescuing boys and girls randomly years ago, um, uh, simply because we were building food, we were building food banks all over the world and, um, we would be like in a trash dump and, um, stomping around in a trash dump. And because I was a guy in my thirties, I should say approaching middle-aged white guy, um, I fit the pattern or the profile of a sexual tourist. And so people would assume that the reason that I was there was to molest a child and people started bringing me children. And I'd be like, hey, what's this? Hey, what are you doing, you little hobbit? Hey, it's so good to see you, God bless you. And then they would say, 
things like the very first time this ever happened, this lady brought me two little Nicaraguan children um, around the ages of nine or 10 and brought these beautiful little girls to us and they were starving to death and she was talking and I, I speak a little bit of Spanish, but I don't speak much. And we're talking, talking, and then it dawned on me what it was she was offering. And she told me, she said, you can make a movie. And I was looking at these beautiful two little girls and I was like, yeah, I'll bomb, I'll bomb right now, how much? And so we worked out a deal and I literally bought those little girls just like they were cars took them to the car, um, took them to one of our homes, had a team full of people meet them. And I had that very first conversation with those two little girls and working through a translation, working through a translator to be able to say, do you know Jesus? Because he sure knows you and he loves you so much. He sent me all the way from Texas to come down here and to get you. He's been watching you for a long, long time. And you're going to remember this day. And I want to tell you what the day is and tell them what the date is. So you will remember this day for the rest of your life. This is the day that everything changes for you. And I've since been able to have that conversation um, either directly or indirectly through other people with over 10,000 kids in the past 25 years. Yeah, it's amazing. Last year, guys, we were able to rescue over 2,700 boys and girls just in one year last year. So in 2016, in 2016, we, we went from randomly uh, rescuing kids, which we had rescued several thousand kids just randomly, just in the works that we do all over the world. And just in finding out, I mean, we'd take a bunch of hairy-legged boys over there and I'd tell everybody, hey man, y'all wanna go to a brothel? And they'd say, okay, because they knew what that meant. And we would all load up and like the last day that we were there, we would all, we'd find out where the local brothel was and we'd go in there and we'd ask for the youngest girls in there and we'd take every single one of them and we'd get them out of there and we'd take them to our home and say, everything changes for you today. Your life will never, ever, ever be the same again. Nobody is ever, ever, ever going to hurt you again. We're going to redeem you and buy you and pay for you and set your life free in every single way that a girl can be set free. And we would do that over and over and over. Well, you can only do that once if you go in, you know, and take the girls. And, and a lot of the things that we did was actually not very smart uh, just because, you know, just in our passion and our zeal and, and we're, a bunch of, we're a bunch of young knuckleheads. Well, I'm old now. And everything hurts. And I try and do things a whole lot smarter now. We have teams of people that do amazing things that I could never do. And um, now we have literal teams of people and we have rescue homes all over the world. Um, this last year, uh, we stepped up our efforts in a tremendous way on the Texas-Mexican border. Since our borders have been open, the atrocities that are taking place there are absolutely unprecedented. And in the 30 years that Leanna and I have been doing um, what we've been doing, we have never seen the level, we've never seen it as bad ever anywhere in the world in the 56 nations that we've been in than what's happening in the United States on the Texas border. Never seen anything like it. The pornography rings that are there that are, are so full of children as these children are, move, are coming across the border unescorted and snatched up and the, porn, the pornography rings that we are diving into are literally, I'm not even, it does not glorify the Lord for me to speak about it. It is so horrendous and it is unbelievable. So we've been able to rescue some boys and some girls out of those situations. I sent you Darren some pictures 
And um, I want to show you a picture of, of one of my little friends that we just rescued within the past couple of months. And her name is Martha. This is a picture of her the day that we rescued her. She's wearing black. So if you guys have the picture of Martha who is wearing black, she's 12. She's 12 years old. And this is what she looked like on the day that we actually rescued her. This is what she looked like. This is what she looked like three days later. I want to show you this next picture. Okay, I want to go back. I want to show you what she looked like on one day. And now I want to show you what she looks like when she gets to be a little girl. This is, that is actually several months after that. That's like, uh, that's like two months after we rescued her. And uh, hang on just a second, guys. I want to, I want to stay there on Martha for just a second. Um, Martha is, is, we have an entire home full of little boys and little girls that uh, we have rescued out of pornography that, I mean, the youngest one that we have is two. And so, so when I say that this is literally saving lives, I'm talking about saving lives. I want to just tell you that uh, I called my, I'm not the CFO and I don't, I don't, you know, <laughs> I'm not trusted with much money. You know, I never have much use for money and such, but but I honestly, I called my CFO last night and said, how, what kind of, what kind of support has this church given us? And I think this year, guys, we're talking about this year, you guys have helped us with over $70,000 so far. Do you know that? Do you know that? Are you aware of the difference that you guys are making? Are you aware of the literal lives that y'all are saving? Because before I get up and preach the word, I just got to just tell you, thank you. And, and I don't know if you'll ever know any of these kids, but uh, on this side of the fence, but one day we will know each other for millions and billions and billions of years. We truly will. Um, we rescued another little girl last week. And um, let's see, you can go to that other picture if you guys have it there. Right on. So that's, by the way, that's Martha just a couple of days after we rescued her. And guys, she's just, she just a little girl. Yeah, you can, it's okay. Just go on to the next one. That is literally the day after we rescued her. Yep, that's her. And see, man, she's just a hobbit. She's just a little bitty thing, all right? Okay, let me show you the next one. So we do a work in Nepal, and uh, we've been doing a great work in Nepal for many years. We love India. We've been going to India for 25 years. We've been doing a work there. And then we started doing a work in Nepal a few years ago, I'd say probably 10 years ago. Um, and we, are, we have rescue homes there, um, we have all kinds of ministries in Nepal to rescue these girls. And the whole world comes to Nepal uh, to steal the children in Nepal because they do have a constitution, but the enforcement of law, I should say this, the enforcement of if someone does something egregious against you there, and if you want to prosecute the person, you have to pay for the prosecuting attorney. So what that means is if somebody steals your kid and they get caught, you have to fork out $1,000 to have that person prosecuted. And the whole world knows that. So they go there and they steal the children of Nepal. And we actually fund the prosecution. Last year, guys, we funded the prosecution of 42 traffickers last year. We actually funded that. Yep. Busting them. Threw them under the bus. Right on. Um, 
but this is just last week, guys, we rescued this little girl. She's 14 years old. She has, her parents died in the earthquake uh, that happened four years ago. So she's been an orphan for four years now. And um, she was homeless and somebody snatched her up and put her in a brothel. She's been, a, she's been living in a brothel since she was 10 years old. She's 14 years old. Um, we rescued her. She is in our home now. She's surrounded by, by girls that have been rescued just like her, and they love Jesus. They are a bunch of Jesus freaks. I'm telling you, man, they love the Lord. And the first thing that we do is we get them, and this is, they typically do not have a name. They, they typically have a really bad name. And I don't even want to go off into that. So we give them a new name and then we give them a birth date. We size them up and they typically do not know what their birthday is. They typically don't know how old they are. So we give them a birthday. And I want to just tell you, I have uh, more than, I would probably say 3,000, 4,000 kids that have my birthday all over the world because it's just a day to celebrate. I'm just telling you, it's just a day to celebrate. Uh, it's like, man, that's terrible. Nope. Hey, man, it's cool to me, man. I love it. But it's not my, it's not that I actually go around giving everybody my birthday. It's that it, it started off with one little girl. Whenever I lined up the first orphanage that we actually just took over, there was 400 kids and I wanted to give them all a birthday. So we busted out a calendar and said, your special day is January the 1st. I'm like, yay. And then second one, your special day is January the 2nd, right? We're going to go through that. And we're doing that. And then there's this really smart little girl. She's like, what is your special day? I'm like, oh, <laughs> you're about to own me. I can tell. And then everybody started going, I want that to be my day. I want that to be my day. So so anyway, um, we gave her her birthday and we had our celebration with her and she is set free in every way that a little girl can be set free. She is, she is in school this week and she went to the ninth grade this week. And so she hadn't been in school since, since she was nine years old and uh, she's, she's back in school and we're going to be working with her and loving her. Guys, you actually had a big part in rescuing that, that beautiful little girl. Um, let me see another picture here. What else do we have here? Okay, this is a little boy we rescued on the Texas border last week. That little boy there. I want to show you this. Not only did we rescue him, let me show you this little boy. There's three of them together. Those three kids we rescued last week, they are in our home as well. They're literally in our home. Um, that, was, that was where they lived. And I'm, that's all I'm going to say about that. But I want to just tell you this. They are in our home now, and those little boys are saved in every single way that a little boy can be saved. So that's kind of what it looks like to be in our world every single day. Everybody like, man, Pastor it must be so hard pastoring a you know, mega church. That's the easiest thing I do is pastor a church. Kills most people. And it's just the easiest thing that I do. We're, we, we are neck deep in this and have been for 30 years. And I praise God for your partnership. And this is a real deal. Right on. I want to show you one more picture. And this is, this, is, this is really cool. I want you to go to the picture of the little boy. Yeah, so this is about 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And I want to tell you about this little boy right there. This is our, this is our place in Uganda. This little guy uh, was literally the most feral child I've ever seen in my whole life. And I want to tell you, I like, I like really bad kids, okay? Uh, I'm a bad kid, so I like bad kids. And this little boy, everybody was scared of this little boy. And he would, uh, he, number one, he would not wear any clothes whatsoever. And he went around completely naked and just bit everybody. And he lived on the ground and he was a true orphan and he was something else. And I loved him. And he would follow me around and bite me and 
all this. Well, I was in this, um, I was doing this pastor's thing and there was like 500 pastors all cramming in this room and I'm just sitting there and I'm waiting and they're doing this real long introduction and this, this little boy comes walking in, you know, and he just comes walking, he sees me like, hey, he comes over, you know, climbs right up into my lap. Everybody is watching me. Everybody is. I'm sitting on a stage. And he comes climbing up into my lap. And he's going through my shirt. And he's stealing my stuff, you know. And he's looking at my teeth, opening up my mouth, looking inside my mouth, you know. You know, doing all stuff. I mean, he's just literally just doing that, right? Totally unafraid. Well, he went to crawl down. And when he did, he left a parting gift on my leg. And I was like, you did not just do that. And he's like, you're welcome, you know? And he's walking off completely naked. And I grabbed him. Leanna was sitting next to me. And she carries baby wipes with her everywhere. And I pulled that kid across my lap, and I started scrubbing this kid. And I'm scrubbing. He was screaming and hollering and biting and gouging and clawing and losing his mind and freaking out. And everybody in the room was watching this, and they were all laughing their head off. Well, we ended up making the rest of the trip about this little boy because he just, he was so special to me. And we're like, look, we got to get him into school. We got to do this. We got to do that. Yada, yada, yada. And we did. Leanna and I was in Uganda uh, just a few months ago, and I ran into him, and I hadn't seen him in so long. And he was actually here, and this is him. This is the picture of him. Let me show you, too. That's him. Yeah. It's actually, it's actually sad to us that he's so tame. We're like, he's not a savage anymore. Like, he was so cool, but he's a sweet boy, and he's a star student. And, you know, we had a kid just exactly like that, that on this trip, actually the same day that that, when we went back to Kampala, we met one of our kids that we got as a little bitty boy, and he's in Kampala, and the reason why he's in Kampala is he's going to school to be a heart surgeon. A heart surgeon, and his name is Adam. And we're like, yo, Adam, you know, and he's like, I don't know, he's like 20 or 21 now. It's crazy to me because he was a little bitty guy whenever we first rescued him. And, and anyway, I'm, I could stand up here all day long and tell you stories about because that's what looks like Jesus to me. It does. Uh, it, that looks like Jesus to me. All of that does. And we get a front row seat, not just for the horrors of humanity, but actually for the goodness of the Lord. We get a front row seat of that. And it's, and it's how we remain passionate. I have, I have three different things that I tell everybody about remaining. Listen, you have to own your own zeal. You know, nobody is responsible for making you passionate for King Jesus. Nobody is. And we have to own the responsibility of our own zeal for the Lord. And we have to be zealous for the Lord and go, no, dude, I'm going to be fired up about King Jesus. I want to be a Jesus freak. That's what I want to do. Because I live in a crazy day today. I live in a cray, cray, crazy day today. And I have, I have to own my passion for the Lord. I have to be so responsible about being passionate about the right things. And if I don't have the supernatural emotional intelligence to be passionate about the right things, the media will tell me to be passionate about the wrong things. And since we all live with our head in the lap of media Delilah, we tend to just lean towards being blind entertainers like Samson, right? And I'm like, I ain't, I ain't living like that. 
That ain't I'm going to be fired up for King Jesus. Listen, we will continue to have a rock star marriage if Leanne has hope that I'm going to continue to chase after Jesus. Right? Leanne and I have been, we've been married for 33 years. And, yep. And we dated for four years before we were married. And, you know, people ask us, I mean, dude, I mean, we wake up together, we eat breakfast together, we drive an hour to work together, we work together all day long, we drive an hour home together, uh, we work the ranch together, we go to bed together, and then we get up and we do it again. And we do, we've done that every day for 33 years. Like, how can you, how can you do that? You know, what is that, what is all about? Well, you have to maintain your passion. You have to maintain your passion for each other. And a big part of maintaining your passion for each other as a married couple is constantly having hope. If you lose hope at any point, right? I mean, you have to have hope for your own marriage. You have to. And it's like, so this is what, this is what we do. Like I'm constantly thinking, hey, one of the ways I think that I can be a better husband is constantly, how can I give Leanna more hope for me? Right? How can I do that? Well, I've learned that from King Jesus, and I've learned that from chasing after the Lord. And these are three different realms. I wasn't planning on speaking on this, but three different realms that I encourage people, this is what you got to do to maintain your passion is number one, there's no, there's no substitute for personal involvement. Personal involvement. You, 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 listen, I'm a pastor of a church, but I'm not going to be the kind of pastor who sits in my office and grabs about the people who didn't show up. I'm not going to be mad about the people that split off and did other churches. I'm not going to be mad about that. I'm not going to sit in there and my, no, I don't have time for that because, because I live in the trenches. I want to stay in the trenches. I do. I'm like, well, Troy, that season for your life has changed. Well, then I'm going home. I'm done. Well, you're on TV now. Yeah. And, and that's, that's great. As long as I can do the other, I do. And I tell everybody that shows up for my one-on-one class. Okay, guys, listen, here's the deal pickle. We do this to do that. And if you don't like me doing that, hit the road, Jack. There's a mean church on every corner in Texas and they're praying for other mean people to be there and you'll be an answer prayer. And so this is, we do this to do that. That's what we do. So personal involvement, man, is a really big deal. I mean, you, I, we still do the outreaches. Last week, we had a, um, a big food outreach. And one day, we fed over 4,500 people last Saturday. And, in, of course, in the midst of that, man, is signs and miracles and wonders. Right on. Hey, what time, what, what time am I supposed to finish here? Ten minutes ago. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. No, don't, don't, don't tell me that. What time? Do, I, I will finish on time. Okay, from now? No, tell me what time to finish. Okay, so, yeah. I know that you got a second service today, man. I know that you did. Okay, so, so okay. He's like, yeah, parking lots don't matter, you know? Just, I know how all that works. We do, we do three services on Sunday morning, and it is a mess, man. It is just a big time fight. The second thing, uh, so outside of personal involvement, the second thing is supernatural encounter. I can't remain passionate unless I hear God speak. Right on? I got to hear God speak. I need to, I need to have dreams. I need to, have, I need to see miracles. Um, I need to see people healed of cancer. I do. And, and that's not going to happen with me staying in my office griping about, you know, how the world turns. I have to be personally involved. Listen, you will see your greatest you will see the, the most craziest miracles in your life in the context of selfless service. And that's how it's worked for me. 
just get out there, you know, just have a yes in your spirit and just be, just be full of hope for the Lord and say, God's going to do something amazing. And I've already got a yes in my spirit. Well, I don't have it figured out. You need to get rid of the board that is in your head of all this approval mechanisms that you have to have to be able to be the person that God almighty has called you to be. I don't even allow committees in my church, no committees. Like, Hey man, we got leadership here and I don't want to be deacon possessed. Amen. Oh yeah. If you want to do something, go do it. You got a big green light. Well, how do we, how do we go on a missions trip? Get a passport. Well, what else? Find out when we're going and come go with us. Like, really? Like, really? Now you're going to have to pay for your trip. Okay. But yeah, get a passport. You've been telling me you've always been called to be a missionary, but you've never got a passport. What kind of a board do you have in your head that you can't even get the permission to get a passport? What's wrong with you, dude? Be set free. Right? Like, well, I got all these checks and balances and everything has to work out first. You're nuts. If God's called you to be a missionary, go on a mission trip. But I don't have it all figured out and I don't have it. Okay. You didn't, thank God you didn't act like that before you had kids. You think sure didn't have that figured out or before you got married, right on. Like, so this is a deal. We'll take anybody with us on a missions trip once. So that's what I tell everybody. I'll take anybody once, you know, it's debate if I'll take you again, but we'll have to see how you do, you know, but uh, honestly, and all the missions trips that we've done and we've taken, I don't know how many, I mean, thousands and thousands of people have missed. There's only been two people that I've ever said, you know, it's probably not a good idea for us to do that again. There's only been two people and, and, and in both cases, drugs were involved. So, you know, Hey man, if, if you're going to get high and lose your mind on a missions trip, that's probably not a good idea. Right on. And it wasn't me judging them. It was just that, you know, they took off and left and we spent our missions trip trying to find those jokers. Right. So we're like, okay, well that's, you know, Hey, the next time you want to go, we'll give you a map and right. But you don't got to be mean about it. Right. So personal involvement, supernatural encounter is huge. And then the third one is going after the father's heart having a childlike wonder for the father's heart, finding out new things about God as father keeps up my passion. And it's like, okay, if I can know that the Lord, if I can find a new way, because I find new things all the time about the Lord where I'm like, dude, I've been walking with you for a long time and I didn't even know that you did that. I didn't know you did that. He's like, of course I do that. Like, that's crazy. Or like, dude, I forgot I forgot that what a big deal that is to you. Like, oh, Father, you're just so awesome. You know, everything that Jesus did, everything that he did was to show us the Father. And a lot of us miss that in the gospel of Jesus. We actually miss that. Like, okay, he came to die for our sins. Yes, he came to die for our sins so that we could have access to the Father. And as a matter of fact, you know, if you're like, hey, we all know that the scriptures testify of King Jesus. We know that there's 31,171 verses within a Bible. And we know that all those scriptures testify of Jesus, but there's not a single description of what Jesus looked like. Like, what is that? Now we know he had a beard because they, they pulled it out, but it doesn't say, and the Lord stood at six foot two having olive skin 
and blacketh hair. And the Lord, because he knew we would make a religion out of that trash. <laughs> because people are in desperate need of a savior, right? And, and he knew that. So there's no descriptions. There's no physical descriptions of him that are not supernatural descriptions. Like, what is that all about? Because when Jesus showed up, he didn't come to show us him. He came to show us the Father. See, if, if you want to know what Jesus looks like, look in the book of Revelation. Because that's the revelation of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the revelation of the Father through Jesus. So when you see Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're not actually seeing Jesus. You're actually seeing the Father. Because everything that Jesus does, he says he sees the Father do. And everything he says, he says because he heard the Father say it. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the revelation of the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation is the revelation of Jesus. And he ain't no hippie. He comes back screaming like a daggum Comanche Indian. Right? He, it, we got this weird idea about the Trinity where we're like, okay, the Father's the mean one, Jesus is the pushover, and the Holy Spirit's just kind of woo, right? But I want to tell you, the Father is the giving side of God. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. All right? And he is, he is listen, the pushover side is Father God. Jesus is the warrior. He's the warrior who ain't playing. And it's like, well, that's not how he was in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's because he was here to lay down his life. He was not here to do his will. He was here to do the Father's will. If you want to see how, what Jesus, what the character of Jesus is truly like in the personality, you go to the book of Revelation. But if you want to see what the character and the personality of the Father is like, you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you look at Jesus to be able to demonstrate what the Father is like. That's, that's a crazy thing if you think about it because most of us actually miss that. Um, whenever Jesus teaches us to pray, it's like, okay, I'm gonna show you guys how to pray. And you guys know this in Matthew chapter six. He says, look, don't be like them and just say vain repetitions, get a mantra. And then it's so funny, then we use the Lord's Prayer as a mantra and we say it over and over and over again, which is just really funny to me. And there's nothing wrong with saying the Lord's Prayer. I'm not against that. But it was actually a demonstration. He said, pray in this manner. He says, let me show you the direction that you pray. And he says, okay, you guys ready? He says, our Father. Like, whoa. Now, you need to understand that from the fall of Adam to Abraham is about 2,000 years. And from Abraham to Jesus is about 2,000 years. Jesus is the 77th generation from Adam. He's 42 generations after Moses, and Moses is 1,400 years before King Jesus, and nobody had ever revealed God as Father until Jesus showed up. Now, we knew him as Jehovah. We knew him as Yahweh. We knew him as the chairman of the board, right? He's the God of gods. He is, he's a bad motor scooter, and you don't want to make him mad, right? And hey, you, you need to get with his program and he will show up upon behalf of his people after 400 years of slavery, right? And he will confront Pharaoh and he will do this and he will do that and it's gonna be awesome. And he is something else. He's holy, he's pure, he's awesome, he's powerful. Um, he is in the midst of the other gods and he is almighty over all the other gods. He's the creator of absolutely everything, all those things. But then Jesus shows up and says, I got to show you the Father. The Father. 
What I have found in rescuing people all over the world is all they need is a daddy. All they need is a man who will not abuse them because they are poor and because they are a girl. Why should it be a crime to be a poor girl? All they need is somebody who doesn't have a filthy agenda towards them. All they need is somebody who would just see them and love them. Like all these African kids that, that, that call me daddy, all these, you know what they say whenever, whenever we line them up for school? I'm like, okay, who wants to go to school? And I want to tell you, that's a big day. And every kid lines up. And this is what they say over and over and over again. And it makes me cry every time I think about it. Is they say this, I can learn. I can. I can learn. I'm like, you can learn. You can. I can learn. Papa Troy, I can learn. Yes, you can learn. You can learn. I can learn. I can learn. This whole thing of no one has ever seen me that I'm smart, but I know that deep down inside of me, man, there's something smart inside of me. I, I can learn. I can do this. Just give me a chance. Just give me a chance. All they need is a dad. That's all they need. The revelation that I first got when I first got saved back in 1986, 19, in May of 1986 is when I had my very first encounter with King Jesus. I was four years old. That's not true. Thank you. <laughs> but whenever I, whenever I did, what I found as soon as I encountered the Lord is I encountered God this way. I belong to a family and I'm loved. I am loved like you cannot imagine. I didn't know anybody could be known like this and loved like this. I thought knowing somebody was meaning that you couldn't love them like that. And God knew me like this and God loved me like this. And I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And that, you know, how God first shows up to you tends to be what your ministry looks like. You know, God first showed up to Moses as a sign and a wonder. And that's what his ministry was, right? God first showed up to Joshua as a mighty warrior. And that's what his ministry would look like. For me, God showed up to me as a father. And I want to tell you, I was like, I was in. I was in, and I had actually believed in God. I'd actually believed in Jesus. I just didn't think there was any place for a guy like me in the kingdom, right? And I don't know if you've ever struggled with that, but I think that there's a lot of people that are like, hey man, I like the idea of God. I believe that God is there, but I look over at those Christians and no, 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 that ain't me, right? And that's the way that that went for me. But I found that God was so inclusive to me that whenever, whenever he was made manifest in my life, and I was like, oh my goodness, you're so real and this is so awesome. I belonged and I knew I would always belong. And so consequently, for the past 35 years, Leanna and I have had a ministry of making sure that people belong. Of like, no, no, you belong. And yes, yes, you can learn. Why? Because I'm madly in love with King Jesus. And I'm madly in love with King Jesus because he has actually given me access to the Father. And it's his dad. It's his dad. How can you not love somebody who has a daddy who is the king of everything and says, I want him to be your dad too. And I'm not going to be jealous and I'm not going to be mad. It's one of the great reasons too. I also support Israel in the way that I support Israel. And I'm a fanatic about supporting Israel. Is, is Leanna and I have so many adoptive little boys and little girls throughout the world. And people that really rely on us as parents um, and don't see anybody else as their parents other than Leanna and I of every race and every culture that you can possibly imagine. But we also have our four biological kids, and then we have seven grandkids. 
And I thank God that my kids have always thought it is hilarious and awesome to have every kind of brother and sister you can possibly imagine. That I'm telling you, none of my kids have ever been mad at us that there are so many brewers throughout the world. Really, they never have. And I'm, I'm not just telling you that. They've always thought it was awesome because, you know, they're a little bit nuts. They're just like their mama. <laughs> so they've always thought it's cool. My kid, our kids have always gone with us all over the world and they all have their special countries that the Lord has given them. Of course, they're all adults now. They're all married. They all got their own kids now. Uh, but they think it's fascinating and wonderful, and they've always loved it. They've always celebrated it, they, and I've, oh, we've always been so grateful for that. I cannot imagine how hurtful it would be if I had some natural kids, if, if my adopted kids hated my natural kids. I cannot imagine how hurtful that would be. Or what if my adopted kids came into my life and they excluded my natural kids and hated them with a passion and spoke ill of them. Uh, I wanna tell you, I consider Israel to be the natural child and I'm the supernatural child. Israel is the sands of the sea. You and I are the stars of heaven. And I'm like, I, ain't, I am not persecuting those people. I will support them and love them. We have a food bank there and we build bomb shelters and we do all those kinds of things. We do a lot of, we do a lot of work, which, which I want to just tell you this. We do a huge work against sexual trafficking in Israel because prostitution is legal in Israel. Yeah, it's totally legal. It's 100% legal. And so the trafficking that takes place there in Israel is unbelievable. And so we do a tremendous work that is there as well. And, and I, when I look at how flawed Israel is, I still look at the father's heart that I have had the father revealed to me because of what was stewarded through those people. And since I'm madly in love with King Jesus and since he was willing to show me the father, since he was willing to do that, I just love Jesus all the more for that because I truly love the father. The Bible says in Ephesians 3, 14, it says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is actually named. The word there, family, should actually be fatherhood. It's a Greek word that means fatherhood. I bow my knee to the father to whom every form of fatherhood is named. Man, I want to just, it's, it's time for me to close and I'm, I want, to, I want to throw some things out here to you in closing and just tell you this. I have learned the Father, and I also learned to have a great relationship with my natural father. Though I didn't grow up with him, he and I became great friends, and um, he loved me, and my daddy told me he loved me, and um, he got saved, and, and I became an elder in my church, and and uh, we did amazing things together. He was a great musician, and I'm, a, and I'm also a musician. And we played all over the world together. We did incredible things, and we had, we had something really special between us. I learned how to help him be my dad through having a dad. And I learned how to relate to him through how I related to the Lord. And God healed and redeemed our relationship, and it was incredible. He just passed away just this last year, and I think about him every single day because I called him literally every single day. 
And the last words that daddy ever spoke, I was with him. I was with him whenever he died. He actually died in my house, surrounded by all of us, all of us playing our guitars and all of us worshiping Jesus. And he, he reached the last words ever spoke on this earth was this, Troy, I love you. I'm so proud of you. I will see you on the great day. And he died. I will see you on the great day. And I was like, I'll see you on the great day, dad. Like, wow. Like, dang. It's crazy. It's like, dang. Bye, dad. I'll see you on the great day. Love you, man. Okay. That thing that is so precious to me that comes from an understanding of walking with God is the father. And I, I just want to just encourage you, man, to fall in love with God as the father again and to explore that. You know, last week was Father's Day. Most people just kind of try and avoid Father's Day because, because we as men have just been so disgraceful in how we've demonstrated the Father. But I want to just tell you this, Jesus has demonstrated the Father. And if you know him that way, I could also say this too, that, that we take on the responsibility of demonstrating the Father, whether we're males or females. And the, the biblical word for responsibility is watchfulness. Be ye watchful right? That, that whether you're male or female, you can still demonstrate the father's love towards everybody. You can actually do that. Um, I, my kids are praying kids. And I thank God for that. And I want to tell you, uh, if I can just stop and pause, Darren is a great daddy. And I love that about Darren. I love that about him. I don't have a single close friend that is not a great dad. Every close friend that I have, and I've got a bunch of good friends, um, but we're, we all are good daddies. And I marvel at some of my friends at what kind of dads they are. And I'm just like, my goodness, dude, you're an awesome dad. I love that about you. And we, we have a culture with us where we're, all, we're always kind of agging that on. We're always kind of egging that on. Just go, come on, man. Uh, let's be better dads, no matter what phase we are in our fatherhood with our kids, right? Um, when I was, when, when our kids were little and I'd put them to bed, I'd always take my guitar and I'd sit at the end of the house and they could all hear me. The, we had a little bitty tiny house and it was this little hall between all three bedrooms. And I would praise the Lord and I would pray for my kids so that they would hear me pray for them. And I would never gripe about them, you know? I would never, you know, it was just like, Lord, I just wanna lift up Rama. I have a daughter named Rama. I'd be like, God, I just love Rama. She's such a good girl. And I thank you, God, for her amazing heart. And Father God, sir, bless Rama. Thank you, God, that you've made her smart. Thank you, God, that you've given her a heart to know you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all the good things, God, that you're doing. And I'd pray for Luke, Luke Austin Brewer. Come on. God, thank you, Lord, for Luke. Thank you, God, that he's such a cowboy. He's literally a professional cowboy, literally. He also runs all of my food banks. And uh, he's had a cowboy job since he's a little bitty, bitty kid. And I'm like... God, I pray, God, and I thank you, Lord, that someday he's going to love people the way he loves cows. Hallelujah. <laughs> he's so dadgum funny. Why he talk? He talk like he is right here. I promise you. That's, what he's, that's exactly the way he talks. He's just like his mama. So, <laughs> so anyway, and I'd pray for Ben, and I'd pray for Megan, and we'd all pray, and I'd pray for them. And so I would demonstrate that, and then... Um, they began to pray in a way that they wanted me to hear them pray. 
And it was, it was really special. I'm like, dude, that's so cool. And then when I really bad screwed up, and there was lots of those times, um, one time I said something I should have never said, and I got mad, and I threw a well-eyed fit, and I don't even, I have no idea what I was mad about. Um, I, I, I honestly do not have a clue, but uh, when my kids were little, man, I was real super young. You know, I had Megan when I was 19. So it's like, man, you know, I, I got mad over something, and I, I can remember everybody just sitting there looking at me while I was throwing this fit. And all these kids were all just sitting there. Leanna was sitting there. Leanna took out a little pad and pen. She just started writing stuff down, you know. And I just, gah, gah, gah. She just sat there. I said, all right, now y'all go to y'all's rooms. Everybody go to your room. I have spoken. I'm pulling out my man card. Dad coming. I'm mad and I'm upset. Y'all go. And they all left there. And Leanna's just sitting there. And I'm like, what? And she goes, um, you mind if I show you something? And I said, not if you're going to correct me. If this is the correct in Troy time, no, I don't think so. I don't think I'm into that. She goes, no, I'm not going to correct you. I'm just going to quote you. And this is what you just now said to our kids. And when I read it, it so broke my heart. I was like, well, that's not what I meant. It doesn't matter what you meant. That's what, that's what you said. And I was reading the quote, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And she goes, Troy, do you want, do you want your kids thinking this about the father towards them? Troy, do you, do you want your kids quoting you on this? Because this is what you just said to your kids. And I was like, King Jesus. I was like, all right, go get them. So they all come in there and everybody's real quiet. And I said, guys, I, I said some things I shouldn't have said. And I am so sorry. There's something bad in my heart. I don't know what's wrong with me. And I am so sorry. That's not true. When I said this, those words are not true. This is what's true. And I was telling them these things, and they're all just sitting there looking at me. I said, so here's what I'd like to ask y'all to do. I would like for y'all to pray for me. And I want to tell you, if you want to see your kids cast out demons, put yourself in a position like that. Because my kids had no mercy on me whatsoever. It was so humiliating. Raymond and Luke, which are twins, they were like six or so then, right? They were like six years old. And Raymond put, they all put their hands on me and they did, I mean, they slapped me hard, bam, like Jesus. And man, I remember, I remember Raymond just cried out and all of them were praying, right? The boys are being pretty cool, you know, they're being pretty cool. They're like, yeah, dad, dad's humble and he's, that's, that's cool. Like they're, they're processing it and they're like thinking about it. And Raymond goes, King Jesus, Please help my daddy because he's a preacher and he has a potty mouth. And she was praying this prayer. And she was literally saying these words. Don't go to hell, daddy. Don't go to hell, daddy. Daddy, daddy, daddy. Just, just say I'm sorry. Tell Jesus I'm sorry because daddy, you're a preacher and you have a potty mouth. I'm like, King Jesus. Please help me. I'm a preacher and I have a potty mouth. <laughs> it was horrible. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying that there's no substitute for demonstration. That's what I'm saying. There's just no substitute. I, if, if you're a good preacher, that's awesome. But if you're not a good demonstrator, none of it matters. And I would just encourage you today, learn the Father go after the Father and demonstrate the Father. Guys, can I pray over everybody real quick?
Father, I pray, God, for every single one of us, Lord God. God, let there be, let there be a supernatural, brand new understanding of you as the Father. And God, I so feel your presence today. And I just declare the goodness of the Lord on every single one of us, Father God, sir, knowing, God, that we will see the goodness of God here in the land of the living. Father God, sir, we repent for demonstrating anything else. Jesus, we are your followers, and you demonstrate the Father. So I pray, God, that we would indeed demonstrate the Father. Jesus, I love you, and I praise you, and I thank you, Lord God, sir, for your mighty goodness, Lord. Holy Spirit, make this a wow in every single one of our lives. Make it a tremendous wow. And I love you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Bless you.